We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Well, what a week. What a week. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke. While you're doing that, I just want to say welcome to everyone that's a visitor here today. Could we give our visitors a tabernacle of praise welcome this morning? Some of you have been coming a little bit, so you're not visitors anymore. Luke chapter 10. Just a little bit of a lengthy reading. I'm going to read the first 20 verses. But I want to ask you a question first, and then we're going to read. My question is this, what do we do now? What do we do now? After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And verse 3 says, Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes and salute no man by the way. And whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house, and into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you. Eat such things as are set before you. Heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than that for that city. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, and woe unto thee, Basidia. For if the mighty works had, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art excellent, exalted to heaven, shalt be thrust down to hell. He that heareth you heareth me. He that despiseth you despiseth me. And he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. Verse 17. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fallen from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And verse 20, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Well, what do we do now? That's a question a lot of people have been asking all week long. It seems like our lives have changed somewhat because of recent events, things that we did or didn't want to happen, 
All of those things. What do we do now? Well, here's what I'm telling you. What do we do now? Regardless of the situations that happen, regardless if your candidate won or not, regardless if your senator won or not, regardless if your congressman won or not, regardless of who, who here's what we're going to do. We're going to get ready for revival. We're going to get ready for revival. Now understand this. This is when revival, when, when a people, it's not about an election, it's not about, it's when a people decide something, revival is going to ha- get ready for revival. Revival is what? It's humbling of God's people before God. That's what revival is. Get ready for revival. Revival is the people of God seeking God's face. I want you to get ready for revival. Get ready for revival. I'm not talking about the revival meetings that we used to go to. We used to have revival meetings and, you know, we had to show up every night and had to be there and listen to the preacher and, and bring a friend and those. I'm not talking about that kind of revival. I'm talking about revival. Revival. Revival, just like judgment, begins at the house of God. Get ready to be revived. Well, Pastor, I hadn't been dead. Get ready to be revived. Revival is the people of God submitting to God's plan, not to pastor, not to submitting to God's plan. And God's purpose. God has a plan and a purpose in your life, and He's ready to revive that in you. Some of us have had things in our life that we've been wanting to do, things we've been wanting to say, places we've been wanting to go, actions we've been wanting to take, and it just kind of died down for a period. God's saying, get ready for revival. Here it comes. Revival's about lost souls being found, right? That is part of revival. But revival is God's people going about doing God's work. That's what, get ready for revival. Revival is more than the new birth of souls. That's why we have revivals. But what has to happen first is we have to be revived. I told the story, I won't tell it again, but I drowned one time, but there were some guys that revived me. And I'm here today because they were there to revive me. Had they not been there to revive me, I wouldn't be here today. I'm telling you, get ready for revival. Get ready for revival. God's here to revive us today because we won't be here we won't be here later if we're not revived today. If we're not revived now, we won't be here later. Revival is more than the new birth of souls. It's about a new birth of God's plan for His church. God wants to rebirth in you and in me the plan He has for tabernacle of praise. It should bring about this newly refreshed and freshly washed belief in God. We all have this belief in God, and over time what happens is it kind of lulls. And God's saying it's time to have a refreshed and a renewed belief in God. Believe that God can do this. There's some things, I believe God can heal me when I'm sick. Well, when, when I have a cold. Now, if it's the flu or COVID, I'm not sure. But I believe God, that, that, that is the situation we're in right now. But God is saying it's time for us to believe Him. To believe Him and the revival of belief and trust in Him. Get ready. Revival, it should bring about that refreshed. You know, the Scripture tells us that we need to renew in us the gift. To stir it up. To let the Holy Ghost renew in us. When's the last time you felt renewed? Fresh. Some of us are like Pastor Don. Getting old and dragging around. And it's time for us to get renewed and be fresh. Be fresh for the kingdom. Revival. We're being revived because we're going to take hell. We're going to storm hell with water cannons. God's church is going to storm hell with water cannons. You ever seen a water cannon? It's not like a water hose. There's a lot of pressure behind a water cannon. 
And when it shoots that water out, man, that water sprays out. And not only does it affect the area around it, the pressure that's behind it. Even Listen, the one thing they don't do is stick a water cannon in front of a hill or point it down towards the ground. It'll completely dig a hole. It's powerful. We're going to, you know what, hell, here we come. Death, hell, and the grave, we've already, we've already conquered that. Jesus conquered that for us. He conquered that for us. Let's get past that, church. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. The economy is going to go down, or the economy is going to do this, and we're not going to be able to do this. And you know what? There are some that say that the, the, the next administration wants to just take away every house that you own, and we're all living like block communes. That's part of a plan that they want to do. You know, I can't believe people have time worrying about that kind of stuff. Why, why worry about that? You know, we, we, got, we got revival coming. We, we don't have time for that. We don't have time to worry about that. Listen, don't be stuck with what you got and don't have. Everything you have and need is in Him. It's in His kingdom. You know, maybe it's time Pastor Don gets out of Pastor Don's kingdom and gets in God's kingdom. Because my kingdom is really lacking, but God's kingdom lacks nothing. My kingdom is kind of weak sometimes, but His kingdom is always strong. My kingdom loses a lot of times. His kingdom never loses. It always, God's never lost. Let's see, I want to pick a team where I'm weak and losing, or I want to pick a team that wins every time. Whose team, Jake? Whose team do you want? The one that wins every time? Or the one that's kind of winning? Yeah. We want to be on the winning team, don't we? Guess what? We are. We are. We're on the winning team. Guess what? We're not winning. We've already won. We've already won. It's in the back of the book. Revival is kind of like childbirth. It's, it's the fruit of your labor, and it's only revealed in time, tension, and travail. It's child, childbirth. Time, tension, travail. I truly believe revival is on our doorstep. It's right here. It's, it's right in the midst of the church. But it's going to require some time, some tension, and travail. It's, going to, it's like childbirth. You know, here's the funny thing about childbirth. And I'm going to speak from the dad's side because I don't have any idea what it's like from the mom's side. But from the dad's side, there's, there is some, there's time involved. You know, you're like, man, let's come on. Got things to do. Got got go there. Got there, there's some there's some tension. Like, ooh, I hope everybody's all right. I hope. And then there's some travail. Like, oh Lord, this is hurting me. You think you're hurting? It's hurting me. You know, I knew men that like it hurt me worse than it hurt her. Yeah, right. Today may look bleak to you. Today may look bleak. You know, one of the things as a church we have to understand is bleakness never comes from God. Never. But because things happened this week, some people feel a bleakness or a, oh, what are we going to do now? I'm here to tell you, God's plan is about a new birth in His church. If, if you're paying attention to the church world, you see this. It's not just happening here in America, but it's happening around the world where Christians are rising up in all parts of the world and they're stating their... They're stating their case. We are Jesus Christ. They're stating the case. We are God's children. They're stating their case. We are here with purpose and design. And we're, God is behind us all. It's rising up everywhere. If you've not paid attention to the church world lately, you don't see this at all. But we've been paying attention to what's going on around us, not just locally, 
but in this state, in this country, and around the world. And I'm telling you something. If you don't see it, you're missing something. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. People standing in front of the White House, in front of the places, lifting their hands to God and praying for our leaders. When's the last time you saw that? You know what? People are, God's people are standing up. You know what? It's revival time. Listen, revival again, like, like, it's like childbirth. You know, it's kind of like a mother who wants her new baby to be the healthiest baby possible, right? Mothers do things when they find out that they're pregnant. They, 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 change, some, they change the things they eat. I, I, they change the way they exercise. They change the way they entertain. Everything is focused on one thing, this new baby. And that changes the whole aspect of birth. As the church, we've got to change a few things. We have to focus on the new that's coming. You know, change is tough, isn't it? Change is hard. Some of you, I know, boo-hooed, not Tuesday night, not Wednesday night, not Thursday night, not Friday night, but yesterday, because they finally figured out who, who won this thing. And some of us boo-hooed over it. You know, there's no point in boo-hooing. You understand God has this in hand. God sets kings and God removes kings. God purposes this person and purposes this person. God's, if God has already spoken in His logos, it's going to happen. God's will will be performed, the Bible says. Not whether, it doesn't depend on you or me. If we're in it, that means we get to be a part of it. But His will will be performed. And so whatever, whoever he moves and shakes and rolls, I'm thinking this. I got moved and shaken a little bit because I didn't get my way. And God's speaking a little something to me. Listen, it's not about you, Don, getting your way. How about you let me have my way and let's see what happens. I think the church is about to be shaken in a good way here because we need to be. We need to be. The, the, we need to know that new is coming. New is coming. So what do we do now? Notice in verse 1, Jesus sent his disciples out ahead of him. He sent them not just out randomly. The scripture says he sent them to the places he would go. They didn't go anywhere Jesus wasn't about to go. He didn't send them to this town because I may or may not go there, but y'all go there and check it out. No, he sent them to towns that he was about to go to. And Jesus is going to do that. He's going to send you and me into places that he's about to go into. In situations that he, he, he's sending you and I into situations that he's about to go into. He's right there with us. He leads us and he follows us. He directs us. That's the beautiful thing about revival. If it's directed by God, you'll go to the right place. You'll go to the right place. You'll be in the right circumstance. You'll follow the proper way. If he's directing it, he's directing it. Remember that revival is always initiated by God. Revival in your life. Revival in the church world, revival, and it's always initiated by God. We don't initiate revival. It's not in us. It's initiated by God. They didn't go for their own glory. That was, you know, they didn't go in and say, hey, it's me, Thomas, you know, Jesus' follower. Uh, uh, my ministry is at 907, this block over here, and you know, come over here and I'm going to do this. 
They just went in the name of Jesus. And it's time the church go in the name of Jesus. The church has been going under many names. In, in several decades now in our country, we've gone after many names and gone after many places, but it's time for the church to eliminate the names. We're just going after the name of Jesus. In verse 2, Jesus emphasized prayer. Prayer, you know, we think of prayer as uh, on our knees with our eyes and we got, you know, man, I, man, I spoke for about three minutes, Lord, and I'm kind of done. It's about all i got to pray about. But that's not what prayer is. That is a form of prayer. But the prayer here Jesus is speaking of is a consistent and constant communication with God. And he emphasized that. He said, listen, as you go in these, just, just keep in contact. You, you won't see me physically. Keep in contact. You may not see me. You, I'll be there, but keep in contact. Isn't that critical? Think of wartime. They don't send soldiers out in war and say, listen, we want you to go over there and see what you can do and then come back and tell us what happened. They form a plan. They have a communication skill. They equip. They do all those things because the whole purpose of sending them there is what? Victory. That's what God does with revival. The whole purpose of revival in the church is victory. The whole purpose of revival in America is victory. That's the purpose of revival. But Jesus said there's a problem. There's only a few workers. That's the part I knew y'all wanted me to skip. When pastors start talking about workers, it's like, oh, my Lord, here we go. Understand this. The harvest... That, we, that Jesus talks about, it's a commitment to revival, and it's coming. When he said the harvest is there, the harvest is ready, the harvest is ripe, even though he said there was a few and we need more laborers, here's the whole catch. The harvest, Jesus said, is coming. It doesn't matter how many laborers we have. It'd just be nice if we get some more. But regardless of what happens, the harvest is coming. If you believe in the latter-day reign of God's Spirit that's spoken of in the Bible, you understand that the harvest, that was the purpose of the latter-day reign, was to produce the final harvest. It was to shower water on those plants that had come out, and, and now there's tomatoes, and now there's grapes, and now all of this stuff. And that latter-day double-sized rain really gave it the punch and the uh, to make all that fruit come out so that they could harvest it. And that's what's going on today. Revival, latter-day rain, harvest. The thing is, they don't leave the fruit out. If there's only a couple of people, they work day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. And Jesus said, that's our problem right now. But if we'll just sink ourselves into it, into the harvest, man, not only will we have a harvest, but we'll have revival within ourselves. Today now, the days of sitting in the pews, knowing something needs to be done, or that someone needs to don't do it, uh, but I can't be bothered right now. I, I kind of got things to do. All of those things, that Je those things are over. Because the discussion of the latter-day rain brings something about in our lives. Those that want to be harvesters or laborers will be harvesters and laborers. Those that don't won't be on the payroll. You understand what that means? You're either in or out. You're either working or you're not. You're either involved or you're uninvolved. That's part of this Latter-day Revival and Harvest. And man, the, you know, you think all oh, that work and all that. You know what? The greatest thing. It, does anybody here do a job that you like? You enjoy your job? 
when you enjoy your job, what's the day like? Does it have some struggles? Does it have some issues? But what is it, when you enjoy your work, listen, many of us are working at the wrong job. You should be doing something you like. Because when you like it, you put yourself in it. You want to see it succeed. When I was a manager for Home Depot, they, the, you know, they I had, after the years, they figured out I could teach a little bit, and so they would have me come over when they would have new hires, and they would go over to a certain area, and then I would teach this deal, and it was on how Home Depot started. Two guys were working at Handy Dan. You ever heard of Handy Dan? Some of you older, yeah, yeah. They were working at Handy Dan. They were on the board with some other board members, and they came in one day uh, to work like the regular normal day, and the rest of the board members said, hey, we don't need y'all anymore. You're fired. They voted them out. And so Arthur and Bernie were upset because they loved what they were doing. So what did they do? They decided they would start their own company. They called it the Home Depot. But their love changed. They still loved what they were doing, but a new love developed in their life. You see, the whole sole purpose that Arthur and Bernie started Home Depot was to put Handy Dan out of business. They'll tell you that to your face because I ask them both. Yes, sir. I remember talking to Bernie at his, when, when he retired. We were having a party for him. And I said, is it true that y'all really just wanted to put Handy Dan? He goes, yeah, I'm not going to say what he said. You're absolutely right. Our goal was to put them out. And guess what? Yeah, Handy Dan hadn't been around for a long time. You see, they had their heart in it. It meant something to them. Was it revenge? Probably. But you know what? It's some, they were loving the fact that they were putting the devil out of business. So you see, Handy Dan was their devil. That's what revival is about. We're loving the fact that you're putting the devil out of business. He thinks he's fired you and gotten rid of you because you're kind of just sitting still. That's why revival scares him to death because he knows what you're going to do. You're going to put him out of business. I'm telling you, get ready for revival. We have to understand something about revival. Every one of us wasn't born 100 years ago. We were born in this day, this hour, for this time, for this revival. God has hand-selected people in this generation to see this revival happen. And you're part of it. You're hand-selected. Oh, but I received the Lord. No, you didn't. Oh, I accepted the Lord. No, you didn't. Oh, I called out on the Lord. No, you didn't. Jesus said, you haven't chosen me. I I I've chosen you. And, and only when I call you and you answer the call do I receive you. Yeah, you see, man, didn't, don't y'all feel good? I think I'd want to jump that God received you. Because there's some God didn't receive. They didn't answer the call. In this generation, there are people out there that you and I know. We know them that they've not answered the call. There's a call to revival now. You want to be received? God wants to receive you into this revival because there's some great and powerful things, things that we've always talked about, 
Things where we thought, man, wouldn't it be great if, if, if they just brought a cancer ward into Tabernacle of Praise and God healed them all? And we all think, wow, that would be something, but you know, huh, that, that's not going to happen. Uh, you're not received. I don't receive that. God doesn't receive that. You know what? That could happen really easily. That could happen really, oh, it could? Oh, absolutely. Do you believe God can do that? Hmm. Revival's not going to come where revival's not wanted. It's not going to come where it's not wanted. It took a serious desire on the part of the disciples to go out and do what Jesus told them to do. They had to really be in, in tune. Listen, you go into these towns and the, the houses that will receive you, have dinner with them. The, the ones that don't, walk out in the street, turn back to them and say, listen, I'm kicking this dust off. You, you know, you're done, dude, and move on. That seemed a little bit rude. But Jesus said, listen, revival doesn't have time for, to play. Revival doesn't have time for those who don't receive. Those places that do receive, you're going to get fat and full. They're going to feed you. They're going to take care of you. They're going to love you. And that's what's going to happen in this end time revival. There's going to be those that receive you. You're going to get fat and full. They're going to love you. There's going to be some of those that say, you know what? Get out of my house. And all you got to do is just kick the dirt that was... You know that the dirt that they had came from inside the house, right? That was dirt from inside. They didn't have concrete slabs like we did, or wood floor like they had dirt floors. He said, "You, the dirt that you got on when you got in that house, get that dirt off your feet." Some of us are carrying some dirt on our feet that we need to kick off. We just need to kick it off, get it off our feet. It's doing nothing but weighing us down. Verse 4, Jesus is uh, he's, he's just trying to tell them, don't allow distractions. You know, carry, don't carry a purse. Don't carry a script. Don't carry your shoes. What? Don't, don't carry my shoes? No, go barefoot. Just go. Don't, let, don't take anything that's going to weigh you. Don't, let, don't be distracted because i got something I want you to do. There's, you're going to experience something that you have never experienced. That's what he was telling them. And we read what they came back saying. They had never experienced that before. But they, they were involved in this tremendous experience. Even though Jesus was giving them Debbie Downer. Yeah, there's going to be, you know, the cities, the city, those cities, oh man, it'd be better. For, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to have a better chance than they are. Just simply because they rejected you. Verses 5 through 11, Jesus te teaches them about sticking to that commitment. Continuing with that plan, I want, I want to hurry here. How many times do we believe we've heard from God about something, but then we kind of get settled down in it and get bored with it, or it becomes too mundane as a task, and we decide, you know, I felt God call me to that, but, uh, you know, nobody's really kind of pushed me on to go do it, and so I, I'll just kind of wait. How many, you know, that, that revival is meant to revive that back in you. Don't wait on somebody to tell you. This is not a church where the pastor gives you the direction on everything in your life, everything about your ministry. Every one of you have a ministry. Every one of you. And don't wait on me to tell you what to go do with it. You know what you're good at, and what God does is He takes what you're good at, and He ministers through it. He ministers through it. Whatever it is that He's put into your life that you do well, He will minister through it. Don't wait. Don't be distracted by this other stuff. When God places you in His kingdom, listen, when God puts you in a place in the God, His kingdom, 
Just be in it. And be there until He moves you. Just be there until He moves you. If it's three months, three years, or three decades, be there until He moves you. Then when He moves you, when He purposes in your ministry to do something, move with it. Don't get distracted. Don't lose your focus. There will be places again in, in your ministry. There's going to be places when you're going to feel like you're not wanted or accepted. Welcome to the life of Jesus. Jesus said, hey, if, if I'm going to, you know, this is going to happen to me, don't think it's not going to happen to you. It is. Welcome to the ministry of Jesus, to the life of Jesus, to the kingdom of God. He said, look, there, don't worry about who likes rejection. Who, who like, you like being rejected? None of us. We don't, we don't like being rejected. The most rejected man in Scripture was our Savior. Still the most rejected man. Here's the deal. When people reject your ministry, they're not rejecting you. Can I say this? You know, everybody smile and love me. Get over yourself. Pastor Don had to do that a few years. Get over yourself. If they reject you, it's not you they're rejecting. It's him. If, if, if they're rejecting me, then that means I'm out pushing myself, not him. If they're rejecting me, I'm out pushing my deal, not Jesus' deal. But if they're rejecting, I don't have to worry about that. If I'm pushing Jesus, I don't have to worry about pushing my deal. They're not going to reject my deal. And it's the same thing with you in your, in your ministry. Don't concern ourselves about it. Shake off your shoes. Do a little praying. Focus on revival. Revival. I want this word to stick into you today. Jesus calls out some city names in this chapter. He calls them by name. You know, there's nothing worse than being in a crowd of people and doing something wrong, and they call your name out. <laughs> yeah, I remember being in a staff meeting one time of all the store managers in the store that I originally went to at Home Depot. They, when we got there, we fired 22 people that were running a drug ring in the store. Three of them were managers. Six of them were department supervisors. And the other 14 were people in the store. Needless to say, that store wasn't doing too good. You know, when you had store meetings, it's all about how many sales we had and how much this. We would just talk about how many extra customers we had this month. Because people quit coming to that store. Because it was drug infested. So we had to go and talk about our store before all of the Home Depot managers in America in Atlanta. And so they put all your, your store number and who the manager is up on the big screen and everybody sees you and they put all your numbers and how drastically terrible they were. And do you know how embarrassing that was? So embarrassing. It's embarrassing to get called out. And Jesus was calling them out. Here's the great thing. The next year, you see, when you make all your numbers at Home Depot as a manager, you get this bonus. It's like 50% of your salary. And next year, we were so in tune with the reviving that store that we maxed bonus in one year. What does that mean? That means that we saw the need and we drove it home. That store needed revival and we brought it. We brought it. New guys, new people. Listen, our, our country needs revival. Let me kind of back this up a little. Our church needs revival. We, we need revival. We need revival. We're, listen, you're good folks. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Good Christian people. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But we need revival. What is revival? Well, it's kind of like when the car battery goes down. 
You know, just because you leave the lights on in your car battery goes down doesn't mean you replace the battery. Can I give you a little mechanical hit in here? Just because you left the lights on doesn't mean now you've got to go buy a new battery. You know what? All you need to do is charge the battery back up. It'll still hold a charge. It just needs to be charged. That's what revival is. Sometimes the lights get dim or we lose our charge as a church. But all we got to do is get back on the charger. That's what the Holy Ghost is in the Scripture. It's the power of God. It's the charge of God in us that charges us back up and makes that engine start running again. It's full capacity. So Jesus called them out. He said, listen, they're going to reject you. They did reject you. They'd have been better off if they'd have just lied and act like they rejected you. But they didn't. And guess what? They're going to have judgment over it. Remember, our job's not to save, is it? Your job's not to save. Well, I've talked to these people and talked to these people, and they still haven't made a move towards God. That's none of your business. Your business is to talk to them. Your business is to give them the good news. The rest of it is between them and God. And so stay out of that business and stay in your business. It'll make a world of difference in your revival. Many a person, you ever seen that person that was on fire for God and then they ran up against obstacles of that such? And all of a sudden it was like, oh, they just disappeared. I mean, I've seen, I've seen pastors that were on fire, churches on fire, ran into an obstacle, disappeared disappeared you never saw them again they just quit and disappeared are we going to run into obstacles jesus said guess what guys when you're out there those cities that you're going but you know what here's the deal been better off if they hadn't rejected you because they didn't reject you they rejected me they've been way better off jesus does the saving we just carry the news the enemy wants you to take it personally when Jesus is rejected. He wants you to feel personally responsible when people reject what you have to say. You know why the devil wants to do that? He wants to quench the fire revival in you. He wants to quench the fire. He's deathly afraid of revival. Our enemy is deathly scared you guys are going to get on fire. I'm not saying the fire's out. Boy, y'all got quiet on me. Y'all are clapping when I was talking good. <laughs> I'm still talking good. Our fire's not out. It just needs to be revived. Fire, you got a fireplace? Sometimes you think, man, it's so chilly in here. I had a fire going in the fireplace. You look over there, and there's just one little ember burning because the firewood burned up, and you didn't realize it. So what do you do? Throw water on it and walk away. No, you start stoking. You throw paper chips, anything to get that fire going. And once it's going, you throw logs, and then you start watching it a little closer because you don't want to have to go through that again. And that's what revival's about. God's reviving His church in America. God's reviving His church in America. We're not going to go through this again because this revival is this end time, this latter day. It's this revival that happens before He comes again. I'm like Bishop. I really feel, and I can't, I'm not a prophet. I'm not never claimed to be a prophet. I really feel that in my lifetime, Jesus is coming. From my studies and looking, you know, people are looking for prophecies that have to be fulfilled. There's none. It's done deal. We're just waiting on Him. 
So while we're waiting on him, what does he want us to do? Sit back, take it easy. Man, haven't we done a great job? Now he wants us to be so, man, wouldn't it be great to go off into eternity in revival? I remember a person was telling me their, their, uh, it was their mom that had passed away. And I was asking him, I said, well, how, you know, what was it? He said, well, I was there. And he said, you know, it was the most magnificent thing. He said, as, as she was passing away, she started speaking in tongues. So she went off into eternity speaking in a language she didn't even understand. But you know what? It was that direct connection. With stammering lips in another tongue will I speak to this people. It was a direct connection. Man, wouldn't that, you come in before God, now he understands it. You wake up in eternity, he understands what you're saying. And now you get to understand it. Wouldn't it be great to have this revival and go off into eternity that way? Just a house full of people. God touching their life. God touching your life. In verses 17 through 20, and I, I end here. This is where Jesus had kind of completed his teaching and he was talking to them and they said man we you know we came back and man here was their first look at this they came back in verse 17 again with joy saying even the devils they expected other things to happen but they had no expectation that they said even the devils were subject to a you know, Jesus, we've gone places with you, and we've watched the healing. We've been part of the healing. We've seen this. But you know when you sent us out? Even the dead, they were joyful about this. You know, there's nothing like getting the devil, poking him in the eye. There's no, that, that's, that's fun. You ever poke the devil in the eye? You know how to poke the devil in the eye? You know how to, you know how to stick him in the eye? Anybody? One thing we just did a few minutes ago. Worship sticks the devil in the eye every time. Sticks him in because that's the thing he wanted. That's the reason he, he wanted to usurp God. He didn't want to take over God, but he wanted to be like God and be worshipped as God. And every time you worship God and not Him, you're sticking Him in the eye. If anything else, Eliezer, let's just stick Him in the eye. And you know what? The, the better you worship, the bigger the stick. It's one thing to get a twig in your eye. It's another thing to get a, a board stuck in your eye. The, more you, the harder you worship, the greater you worship God, the bigger the stick is in his eye. And he's definitely afraid of this right now. Stand with me. He's afraid of what's been heard here today, what's being said, what's being received. He's afraid of it. Our enemy's afraid of it. He needs to be. Jesus said, listen. That's great that the devils were subject to you. But that's not what the most important thing about this experience is. You see, they had just experienced something they had never experienced before. He said, that experience that you just experienced is great. But listen, don't, don't get caught up in that because that's not what's important. The greater experience is that your name is written down in heaven. Your name is written down in heaven. That's what happens in revival. Notice he didn't say your name's written down in the Lamb's book of life. That's a different thing. He just said because of what you did, your name is written down in heaven. And so all 
of the angelic host. We're pulling out their pages. Thomas, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, pulling all your names are written in heaven. You know what? They were like, man, these are human beings. We're angels. We have that authority and power to, to race in and battle against those devils. And we have the authority to come against them in the name of our God. These are humans. But look what they did. Look what they did. There's some kind of revival in the air. I think it's time for us to have our names written down in heaven. The Lamb's Book of Life is that book that your name is written down in when you're born again. But to have your name written down in heaven. Let's see, who had their name written down in heaven? Abraham. Moses. Elijah. Daniel. And Jesus said, just be glad your name is there too. Because what I did is I sent you into cities and you brought revival. You brought revival. Revival is here. It's all around us. Remember my question? What do we do now? You see, after this election, there were some people who said it this way. What do we do now? And yet there were others that said, what do we do now? There's two sides to that story. And so that's what God is asking us now. What do we do now? We're not on the flip side of, what do we do now? But we're on the side of God. What do we do now? God is saying to us today, if we simply will walk where He tells us to walk, I'll be right there. I'm coming to that city. I'll be there. Don't worry. Say what He tells us to say. Don't worry about what anybody, just you tell what I, and let the acceptance and rejection pass you by. That's not your business. Today is the day of salvation. Most people think of that as the soul salvation. But you understand you need to be saved for more than just your sin. You have to be saved from yourself. You have to be saved from yourself. Because the devil's not your greatest enemy. The world's not your greatest enemy. You are your greatest enemy. How do I save myself from myself? Revival. Revival. Because it rekindles the fire of God. Are you ready for a revival? Church, are you ready for a revival? Our altar is open this morning if you want to come and pray. If you want to let God know, I'm ready. God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm a warrior. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready for revival. Revival begins at the house of God. That means it begins at your home, not in this church building. Revival begins in your home. Do you have family members that you need to see revived? <clears throat> you can take that straight home today. You can take that straight home today. You can make a phone call. 
you can you can answer a question at home that brings revival into your house revival begins in your neighborhood there are those people in your neighborhood your apartment complex they've been waiting for you Jesus sent those people those disciples to those people because they were waiting for someone they needed to hear something there's people in your neighborhood your apartment complex where you live they've been waiting to hear something he's sending you today you ready for revival devils are going to show up church devils are going to show up church devils are going to show up but you're going to come back to this church and say i can't believe what happened this person was being overcome by a devil i prayed and that devil left that devil had to leave it had no business around where my my name was and where my god's name was and where, where my church believed it had no business lord jesus tabernacle of praise we're ready for revival For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.